This is Missioning, Global Interactions podcast and a space to explore all things mission. Hello, welcome to Missioning. I'm Solari. I love learning from people who have served globally and hearing about the core principles that underpin how they do mission. I love learning how their learnings can inform the way we do mission in our own neighbourhoods. Our guest today is an intercultural worker preparing to return to Central Asia to serve among the aged people, currently in Mizoram, India, and keen to move back to Central Asia as soon as the door opens. He's inspirational and a joy to know, and someone we can learn so much from. Welcome, R. Thank you very much, Solari, for this special time together. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. Now, R isn't your full name, but for security reasons, it's the name we'll be using today. Now, R, you and your wife, B, have served with Global Interaction in Central Asia before, but for that was about four years ago. How does it feel preparing to go back to Central Asia? And did you always believe that you were going to go back? Well, you know, um, we are excited this is happening to us again. Mm. We had a lot of time to ask ourselves the question of whether we were meant to go back to Central Asia at all. Yeah. And what is our motive in going back? Should we really be, leave a good ministry at a Christian university college? Shall we yeah. yet again leave everything and go back to a place where we are not so certain of things, especially with a new family, a new, a new member in the family? Yeah. Is God yeah. calling us back there? So we ask these questions. But the most important thing for us, I mm. think, is that he confirms his calling yet again. And oh. he did that in some small but significant ways. So we are excited, but sometimes the wait is getting longer, especially <laughs> in a limbo land, especially with the pandemic. Yeah. So we wait in patience for the door to open. Absolutely. It is so difficult in this pandemic to be get those doors open and and uh, we'll definitely be praying for those doors to open for you in in the time to come. So tell mm. me, what are your hopes and prayers for your coming term? Well, we hope to be able to reconnect with our H friends mm-hmm. and to make new friends of the H people that Father will bring to us. Yeah. We hope to improve our language and cultural understanding so yeah. as to make more meaningful communication with them about Jesus in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. We may not be better at sharing the gospel per se, but yeah. we hope and pray that we can do life together with yeah. the H people as long as we are able, doing authentic life together with all the messengers mm-hmm. as relatively new parents, learners and vulnerable people. <laughs> I love that you say that with the messiness is uh, <laughs> relatively new parents. <laughs> there, there's a lot of a lot of messiness, isn't there? When when you yes. have a kid, yeah, yeah, and for you're coping sure. okay, coping okay with that. Yeah, yeah it's it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, love <laughs> Keeps it. you on your toes. <laughs> yes, very much so. Absolutely. Now, looking back over your recent years in Mizoram, what's one key thing that God has been teaching you? Well, the key thing for me, I think, is faithfulness. Mm, First, on the part of God. You see, we have been hoping and praying for a child for 12 years since our marriage, but it didn't happen. It had been a long and painful wait, but after our return, our little one was born. 
precious gift and we are yeah. given this gift of parenthood surrounded by our extended family members among yeah. our own people so god is so faithful he is, yeah. also he told us that he demands faithfulness on our part to him and in his yeah. mission as well yeah so for me romans eleven twenty nine it says for god's gifts and his call are irrevocable yeah he expects us to remain faithful to the call and the longer we stayed in Mizoram, the clearer he made to us that he wants us back in the mission field. And we need to stay faithful to that as well. So faithfulness, I think, is the key for me at this stage. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great. And I think um, he really uh, has made that clear to you. Now, can I just ask, uh, I'm always so encouraged and inspired when we speak. And I'd love to know what are some of the core mission principles that underpin the way you do mission? Well, um, as an organization, we have some key values, but at the same time, it needs to be very personal as well at an individual level. For So yep. for me, yep. the first thing would be our dependence on God, which yep. is key to what we are doing. Yeah. Because I feel that, you know, our best intention and efforts are simply not good enough. Yeah. We have been in situations when all other human options were exhausted. <laughs> But God yeah. was our last resort. And God being our last hope and resort was scary and uncertain for people who want to plan and, you know, look at things ahead of time. Yeah. But it was scary to begin with. But, you know, when you wait on him and he's, when he's the only resort that you have, then he was he's always punctual and totally reliable. And yeah. it made us realize that he should have been our first and only resort all along. It's a good lesson. <laughs> Definitely is a good lesson. Uh, but I, I think sometimes it's easier said than done, I'm sure. And is there a time that you were really challenged with having to depend on him? Yeah, there were a couple of times, you know. Um, there was this one time when we had to leave the country yeah. and we had our tickets out of the country for the next day. Our passports were with the immigration and we, as we awaited the new visas, it was looking grim as there was no news for days and we had to leave the next day. And he must come, tr come through at the right time. Wow. So how did God come through for you in this situation? Well, uh, at the time we were sharing then with our friends and family uh, as a point of prayer. Yep. And, but we told them that we are not panicking yep. because we have his peace, which was beyond understanding, yep. but also beyond our ability to explain. Yep. We just trust and just knew that it was going to happen at the right time, in his yeah. time. Yeah. So that day the visas were ready, the passports were available at the office for us to pick up. It's never late, ever, you know. Ever. <laughs> yeah. it's trusting, isn't it? And have you found yourselves in a similar situation at the moment? Yeah, as I mentioned, um, yeah, we have. It's a very similar situation as we wait for the, the door to open. Yeah. And we should know better, shouldn't we, Solari? <laughs> but once again, we are often frustrated in waiting, in hoping and in praying. But we know that he's sovereign yeah. and he is working yeah. for us, for his glory, for his kingdom. Yeah. So, you know, dependence on God and being led by the, the Holy Spirit because we are the children of God. That's what yeah. is promised in the, in the Bible. And we need to be absolutely trusting in his yeah. word and in himself. 
And I think another thing, another important thing is, you know, the gospel, which is expressed in ways that make it understandable and accessible yeah. within different cultures, yeah. making it, you know, contextual so yeah. that people can follow what I'm trying to, what I'm all about, what I'm trying to say to them. So one time we were visiting with an aged family in the mm. countryside mm. and it must have looked and felt strange for the extended family members of our friend who took us there, being aged people with their own religion and us being Indians from the land of many different religions. They wanted to know if we have any religion and belief in any deity. Yep. So a lot of answers came to mind, well, including... Number one, we are Christians. Or two, we believe in the Son of God. Or we believe in, you know, we believe in God as expressed in the majority language. Yeah. So all these are legitimate answers, you see. Very good yep. theologically sound answers. But yep. will it make sense to them? That's the <laughs> thing that we need to think about. Yeah, so how did you respond to that question? Well, in the end... Um, we answered in the following, like, we believe in the God of Abraham yeah. and the one true God, and we follow Jesus yeah. in identifying, using terms and words which are, I mean, understandable to them in their own dialect That's and language, not in the yeah. majority language. I love that. So we felt the leading of the Spirit even as the conversation was going. Mm -hmm. This is very much like, you know, Luke 12, 12, that says, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should yep. say. Yeah. So we felt that the details of our faith could be fleshed out this way as relationships develop instead of giving answers which may not necessarily keep the door open for future conversations. Yeah, true. If we had true. responded in with any of the first answers that came to mind, a door could have been closed. For example, the term... Christianity comes with its own baggage yeah, and they have yeah. their own understanding of who the Christians are, which is not at all positive all the time, <laughs> you know? So if we had identified him, the one we follow as the son, then the matter is very controversial or use the terms which are associated with the majority ethnic group, then it would have taken a long time to undo what we have said. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think... As uh, you know, the scripture says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think that is yeah. very important. Yeah, absolutely. Such a powerful verse and, and a thoughtful answer that they can actually understand. So can you share with us about a time where you innovated as you served in Central Asia? Yeah, interesting you should ask that because mm. innovation is not always what you think about when you do mission or when you think about theology. But you know, it's, it's important, isn't it? Yeah. So as an organization, we value creative thinking and appropriate risk-taking. Yeah. Appropriate risk-taking, I like the term because it <laughs> needs to be appropriate at the same time. You're not just taking a risk or... And adrenaline junkie, you know, but you think about all these options before you and you take in faith, you leap yeah. and you take the risk for God, yeah. I think. Yeah. So you cannot be in the country of uh, where we were without developing a good relationship with the local government. 
So, for example, if you want to go to the countryside, you cannot just, you know, take a bus or take your car and go out and drive. You must obtain permission to travel out of the city in the province, which requires what they considered a legitimate reason. Or simply they want to know where you have been. So we developed a project in collaboration with the government officials to help the rural farming people by providing them animal loans. Okay. Animal loans, you know. That's brilliant. What sort of animals? (laughs) Well, uh, sheep, you know. Yeah. So what we did was we loaned animals to select families which helped them increase their income. Yeah. So... The government also chipped in. They participated by giving them subsidies on the, the you know, the feed and other things. Yeah. And also, this provided us with the opportunities to visit farming people on location, yeah. along with the government officials, building trust with the locals and the local yeah. government. So I think that's one of the things that is quite innovative. Yeah, absolutely. The project yeah. sounds like a great way to. Also connect with um, those that you loan the animals to. How did that go? Well, it, it turned out to be quite an interesting uh, project. I mean, very successful. You know, whatever was born mm. to the, the family, they, they took care of the sheep for within a year. Mm. It belongs to them. And after some time, they gave us back, not the same exact animal, but another animal in lieu of what they had taken from us. So if I remember cor- correctly, within the first year, we helped about 40 families and 1,600 plus lambs were born. So it was great. That's incredible. So tell me um, more about um, some of the authentic relationships that you've uh, had the opportunity to build. Yeah, well, one question I, I have asked myself about this is, which should come first, authentic friendship or befriending someone just so that you could tell them or hit them with the gospel. So if I'm being friendly with someone to be able to share the gospel, is there anything wrong with that? Is not that called friendship evangelism and yeah. is not that what we are on about in the first place? Yeah. Or should there be any precedence at all or should they both come together? So I think the, the problem, however, of befriending someone just to share the gospel is that it could look quite suspicious to the receiver. Yes. Yeah, so say if a Muslim neighbor befriends me just to share his religion, then what would I think of anything else he had done for me? Mm. Wouldn't it look suspicious to me? How long would I stay in that kind of relationship? So I'm asking myself all these questions. Yeah, yeah. So as a, uh, as a single young man, I had a student who became a good friend. Mm. I got to know her family and her boyfriend very well. Yeah. Who's now her husband, by the way. Yeah. She called me her big brother as time yeah. passed on. Yeah. And her parents sort of adopted me and my wife when she joined me later. Yeah. As their extended family members. Yeah. We were a part of their festival ce- celebrations. And we became very close. So there's a, a seat reserved for us in their, in their, in, in their dining table. <clears throat> so we are supposed to be always there with them. That was incredible. So after a few years... After some time, as I shared finally the gospel with her one day, she asked me, why are you telling me all this? So I said to her then that I loved her as a friend and as a sister. And if I had a cure for something like HIV AIDS, and what would she think of me if, as her friend and as her big brother, 
if I hide this cure from her, if she yeah. had the disease, you know, yeah. and she know that in understanding of what I was saying. Yeah. It took time, however, to be at the level of trust and friendship to be able to share in that way, even if she did not respond to the message, yeah. which she has not done to this day. She's still my good friend. She is, that's and right. She's safe. It's authentic relationship, you know. And I'm I'm going to be with her no matter what. Yeah. But I love her and I yeah. want to share more about life, you know. So yeah. So there's one other friend, uh, I call him Xiao Ma. Yeah. Not his real name, who became my good friend in a similar situation. Yep. After he left the university as a graduate student, he was a regular in our gatherings and activities in our home. Wow. He was able to yeah, he was able to provide friendship, yeah. guidance and sound and practical advice to younger students. Yeah. We became very close. The trust and friendship was amazing. And then one day he asked if he could talk to me in private. As we met, yeah, as we met, he shared with me about the crisis he was going through. Not sure whether to share this with his family or not. So it was an honor to be the first person to listen to his, his issues and crisis, his troubles, you know. So realizing that he put so much trust in this friendship and this yes. relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So the crisis, yeah, the crisis also brought the first ever opportunity after at least three years of being friends yeah. to ask him whether I could pray with him to the one true God. I told him that, that's what I always do, he, talking, talk to the one true father if I have such a trouble or crisis in my life. Yep. So he readily agreed to pray together. And he's the one who taught it. me about the H way of praying to God as well. So yep. he's a great teacher. Yeah, We're still great friends. So when we met on Zoom a couple of months ago, as he noticed me in my language and culture, yep. the first meeting did not include any lesson at all as I had planned. Yeah. Because I needed to listen to his struggles with his life, further studies, and his bout of depression. Yeah. Authentic relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love him dearly as a friend. It was a privilege to be able to pray with him online again. Yeah. So that's the kind of authentic relationship that I'm talking about. Yes, I do want to share the gospel with him, yeah. obviously, for sure. Yeah. But no matter what happens, he is my friend and I'm his yeah. friend. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. the opportunity to, was it talk to the one true father? I love that. Um, and, and, you know, and, and the crisis parts of his life, what an incredible opportunity to, to be able to pray together with him and, and, and even just be there through the studies, through the depression, what an opportunity uh, for you to, to be able to connect with him and, and care for him as well too. Yeah. Yeah. So Larry, really, I'm really, uh, troubled and I, I felt sorry for his bout of depression really mm. you know especially in their culture it would be a loss of face yeah. to be sharing this kind of things mental yeah. situation with somebody yeah. he would not do it normally but yeah. it's so I'm sorry about his trouble but also it gives me joy that this is father's given opportunity that I could listen yeah. as a friend and yeah. pray for him and with him Yep. So it's incredible, really. You know, after some years or more than a decade in the country, I felt like, what is there? Is there anything more for me to learn? You know, sorry, I have, no, I know everything. <laughs> I've seen everything, haven't I? <laughs> never, never. <laughs> well, I, 
<laughs> well, I have to admit that is quite ashamedly and uncomfortably that I am just scratching at the surface mm. in terms of language and culture. Yeah. There's still so much to learn, you know. Mm. So with us being out of the country for four years, it's challenging to find language and culture nurturers. And because that's what we, we want to do, to be yeah. able to learn more, uh, to be able to communicate better with our friends. Yeah. But when we are looking for somebody to teach us, so we had great friends. They would not, they would not, you know, listen to us talking about reimbursing them for their trouble and their time. So we're yep. so touched and thankful for our authentic friends. Yep. Uh, so meeting up with them after four years, we are very rusty in our language and culture understanding. We realize there's still so much to learn. It never stopped, isn't it? We keep, we keep trying. We keep learning. That's so true, and I think we need to have that posture of learning as we as we grow in each experience that we encounter as well too. Until uh, like like our until our time is done, and I think uh, with some of uh, how global interaction uh, really encourages our, us to live out those values that you've you've really encompassed. Uh, you know, authentic relationships, lifelong learning, some incredible. Um, principles that we can really dig our teeth into and use as and be encouraged by in our own uh, walk and our own relationships with friendships that we make with others. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you know, you talked about lifelong learning here and, and it's obviously taken you quite a long time to develop proficiency in culture and language. Is there a moment you can share where you kind of maybe got it wrong? <laughs> Got it wrong. What do you mean? <laughs> well, 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 we all make mistakes, don't we? Yeah. And I'm very thankful for uh, the gradual way in which I have been introduced into the culture and the, the kindness I received from my friends. Yeah. So even now, you know, as uh, somebody with a background in linguistics, yeah. I err on the side of being too bold in approaching a language, well, any language is yep. lingua franca, yep. as simply as a vehicle of communication. Yep. And I don't always pay close attention to my tone and grammar, but <laughs> tone in this language in Central Asia is very important. Yep. So if you are not careful with the tone, then you could end up introducing your wife as your eggplant. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got my tone wrong, my tones everywhere because yeah. it, it, they are very significant. They change yeah. meaning completely. So I'm yeah. blessed, with, as I said, with friends and nurturers who still humor me and laugh with me at, at my tone and yeah. my grammar as they strain to follow and understand what I try to convey. Yeah. So, yeah. And also in, in the country, as a part of the culture, I think, yeah. uh, you know, politics is a very sensitive uh, subject. You don't yeah. talk about these things. Um, so as I work in a university, in my first in introductory class, I needed to introduce myself and my background. So I yeah. put up a map uh, which included the uh, a disputed territory inside India. And they... Yeah. They were very sensitive to it. I did not realize it. <laughs> so I, I apologize for my honest mistake and survived somehow. But you make those kind of mistakes all the time, I think. And I think one important aspect of the culture is what is called losing face. Yeah. 
Mm. You know, you don't make people lose their honor. Yeah. So yeah. how do you deal with that thing? So I have had my share of foul part and, you know, it's not comfortable all the time. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it is an honor shame culture, isn't it? So you want to make sure that then how you interact with them, that there is that sense of honor as you speak, and you don't put them down. Or um, I, I was uh, remembering actually when we went to Cambodia uh, on a mission trip uh, with Global uh, with Global Interaction, there was this moment where I didn't like the food. And oh, there was something that they'd got mm. it wrong. It was com- the order. That's right. The order was completely wrong. And mm. I went to send it back and I called the waitress over and our intercultural worker went, no, no, you'll bring shame on them. Do not do <laughs> yeah. that. And so it was really interesting. And then somebody else did it. So I didn't get into trouble, but they did. And it was this awkward moment where they were so mm. ashamed of that, you know, and it was, it was, it was a, it was a very, uh, interesting space where um, I learned very, very quickly that the whole mm. idea of, you know, it, it, even though the meal, it was beautifully cooked, but it was just the wrong mm. meal. <laughs> you didn't yeah. want to bring um, shame on them yeah. to change it. Whereas, you know, in, in Australia, you, mm. yep, yeah, you've got it wrong, change it, please. You know, the customer's always right. Mm. It was very different culturally. So, yeah, definitely. Now, can I just say it is what what a wonderful, rich conversation it has been today. I have loved connecting with you and I just want to say thank you so much for your stories, for sharing your heart and for your time today. Thank you very much, Solari. I enjoyed doing this as well. Thank you. What an incredible conversation that was. I loved hearing from R today. If you want to explore mission and how you can get involved, get in touch with your local Global Interaction State team. We would love for you to head to www.globalinteraction.org.au forward slash podcast for resource links and more information about our organisation. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Missioning and we can't wait to share another inspiring story with you next time.